how would y'all describe what is heat culture? Because we keep on hearing this, so folks might not actually know what is. Like, how would you describe what that is? It's basically cocaine. That's all it is. <laughs> it's cocaine to the soul of the city of Miami. Before they get in your What's up, good people? Welcome into Montgomery Company. I'm Renee Montgomery. I used to be a pro. You know what I'm saying? I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I used to play in the WNBA. As you guys know, okay, but today is about being a pro. Like, we know pros. We've seen pros, but being a pro can involve all things in all professional levels. We have Nia Coffey coming on the show today, professional athlete for the Atlanta Dream. We have Sonny Hostin coming on the show today, a lawyer, author, host, professional in every sense of the term and then as a crew we're going to just talk about being a pro because everybody has to be a professional at some point in their life whether it's business or even taking care of your personal business so that's what we're talking about today be a pro let's go okay so i'm going to talk a little bit about culture there's heat culture because, okay, the, let me just, this is the Levitard Network and we're here. And I want to just, we got to show love because Florida is having themselves a year. The Heat advanced to the NBA Finals after a wild loss in game six against the Celtics. And now the Panthers are in the finals as well. They're facing up against the Vegas Golden Knights. So shouts to Florida, man. Okay. Miami, because Miami, all of that. But really what I wanted to keen in on was heat culture. And I'm going to talk about it with the crew because there's certain things that you recognize as an athlete. And I see it. Like I'm letting the Miami Heat know I see you. And it's been talked about a lot. It's almost been made fun of when the Heat aren't playing well. People are like, oh, heat culture. And it's almost been like a little thing we mock. Not me, me and we, because I know what culture means to a team, but I've seen it on the internet. And now we got to talk about it though, because heat culture has shown that it really matters what you think. I know that seems like, oh, yes, an athlete thing, but it really matters how you think, how you treat your teammates. Now, I'm not talking about X's and O's, nothing yet. I haven't said nothing about a superstar. How you think, how you treat your teammates, how you train, how you treat your body. These are all like very fundamental staples of heat culture, but also just good culture. Because heat culture is really just good culture, but the heat have maximized people's potential by making sure that their culture is at the highest level. Shouts to Pat Riley. Got to shout him out. But when we talk about heat culture as an athlete, I got nothing but respect. I got respect for the guys that walked out there on that court. I'm talking about go back to the play-in game. They walked out on that court in the play-in game, whether you, you win and you advance, or you lose, and you go home. They started that journey having to win two games to get into the, the playoffs. So now they're in the playoffs, and look what your reward is for winning two games. You get to match up against the number one team that everybody honestly thinks is going to win the championship, the Milwaukee Bucks. They looked like they were a machine. Giannis Antetokounmpo, everybody was like, this guy's incredible. The best player voted by his peers in the NBA. That's who they had to match up within the first round. It's a mentality. They had a mentality that they didn't care. So then, all right, they take down the Giants and everybody's like, incredible. No way you do it again, right? 
here comes Boston. The number, like, you can't make this up. They knocked out the number one and two team. How? Everybody talks about the undrafted players. But how? It's a culture. It's a mentality that you were already prepared before you got to the game. He didn't just figure out how to be a good team when they got to the playoffs. They have been training, preparing a certain way with their minds and their bodies that when they got to the opportunity that presented itself at hand, they took advantage of it. So for me, that's why I say I can't express how much gratitude, like that's how, you know, we got to give them a clap. That's how you treat a sport. That's how you train. You give it everything. And even when they lost in game six, Coach Sproster said, my guys want to tip it up and play right now. Like they was ready to get it back right now. You knew what was going to happen game seven. They was ready. It's a culture. So this episode, we got Nia Coffee coming up next. She's going to talk about being a pro and how you get there. And we're going to keep talking about it because the Heat, they showing us something, man. Let's get it. And hella shape. I mean, I'm just saying that's a big compliment. Like, you know what? You Thank in you. freaking good shape. This might be like not good for me to say, mm -hmm. but I really didn't like lift like that consistently for a while. So this offseason. <laughs> you felt it. This offseason, I was like, oh, I, there's going to be more. <laughs> wow, wow. No, seriously, it really does change the game. You look like you're in hella good shape. Oh like, my I was gosh. meaning to tell you that. Like, thank you. I worked so. really hard on that. Amazing. I didn't know that. Wow, yes, thank you. That makes me feel good. Because it's nice. You gotta, even like three days off, you come back, it's- And it's a nightmare. Oh my it's, gosh. Like people don't understand. That's why I be trying to tell people like, it really is, sports is a nightmare because you can work out five months. What happens in a, you take a week off and you don't? <laughs> we actually, so we, me and AD, we've been going from like October mm -hmm. all the way to like, I think April. And they were like, okay, take a week off. Dang. And then we'll come back that, two weeks before training Y'all been in the gym though, hold on a No, second. we've been in the gym. We've been in the gym and we've been consistent, like whatever. We took a week off uh -huh. and that Monday we came back, we were playing pickup, like everyone and their mom was there, coach, team, the gym. <laughs> we were trying to play, I was like, I, I couldn't breathe. <laughs> I couldn't breathe, I was just, they were playing full court, I was playing half court, I was like, <laughs> I was like, what is this? I was feeling all good about myself. And I was like, yo, I was like, never that's again. That's a real athlete struggle because it's like the balance. This is what I call, I have this term, I call it athlete guilt, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you want to enjoy your days off, but, <laughs> but you don't want to take too many days off. Yes. You have to rest your body so you don't hurt. So like, if you had to explain what athlete guilt is when people ask you to hang out, <laughs> Tell them why you may not want to stay up till one, knowing we have practice the next day. Like, tell, like they don't oh, get it. <laughs> it's not guilty for me. I have my boundaries. You're gonna know. I gotta be home, not even home before the sun goes down. You're not gonna have me out, especially I have like practice the next day. I'm playing. I'm doing my stretches. I'm doing my rehab at night. I'm icing the next morning. I'm making sure I get my meals. And I'm planning all of that. I don't feel bad. You don't have to show up on the court. I do. So we can have fun in different ways. Just don't ask me before. I love it. Yeah, I don't feel bad anymore. I used to feel bad. I'm like, oh, I can push it. I can push it. I would show up to practice the next day. Did. <laughs> I'm like, am I going to still be on the team? Like, no. I was like, I don't feel bad anymore. My friends and parents know, especially during season, uh -huh. don't mess with me. Okay, so this is great. I'm glad you said that because, like, what about when you have a, like, a boo thing and they have life too? I mean, because this is a real thing that athletes have to figure out because it's like, what if this is their big event? And we saw it on Love and Basketball. You got a big game the next day. They have a big event that night. Like, how are you going to now? A lot of communication. Maybe if there's an event, uh -huh. 
Like, I'll show up, we can do little cute pictures, like, but after a certain time, like, I showed up for you, now I gotta show up for myself. I okay, gotta... what if they're like, you're leaving me on my day? Like, you're leaving me. I'm just, because I don't think people realize, That's I want tough. to talk to the athlete perspective of, we have to balance work, family, career. Mm -hmm. That's not the same as somebody that works a normal corporate job. Yeah. We have a game where we go on display, so you leaving them could feel like a bit, you know, I'm just, these are hard questions. Because yeah, these that's things really that hard. Athletes, Tom Brady had problems with this because he has his TV 12. He's like, look, I gotta be in bed by 10. Giselle is like, I gotta be on the red carpet starting at 10. Yeah, <laughs> that's tough. Um, <laughs> you know, you like, I am. <laughs> so I'm like, Technically, I haven't had to worry about this. But no, I feel like those have been some things that I had thought about. Because mm -hmm. if someone doesn't truly understand, especially your intentions too, that's gonna be a problem. If there's a lot of communication where like, hey, I'm showing up for you at this time, but I still have to show up for myself. Yeah. I am compromising. I love I'm that. showing up for you, but you have to show up for me too, knowing I gotta yeah. do my part. Because like, you don't want me just not doing anything, like I'm still trying to hustle and grind myself. So like, let's respect it. Let's come together when we can and just like have understanding when I gotta go. I love it. And vice versa too, so. Let's get into the hustle and grind. I mean, you are on the team, but I love that because people don't understand those dynamics, but mm -hmm. you're on the dream now. I mean, you had a killer off season. How does the off season like propel you into the, the season? Yeah. Well, this was my first off-season staying home, not going overseas, and just literally working on my body, like rehabbing, doing all that stuff. And I just have a better understanding of how my body works, what my body needs now. Wow. And, and what year is this for you? This is seven. And I'm like, <laughs> no, but I, this is important to know. Oh, I was, now that I think about it, I was tripping my first couple years. I was, I was just like coming on the court, just doing whatever. I'm like, <laughs> I cannot do that. I won't do that now. Like, I love myself too much, and I oh. know, like, Nia, Later in the crazy, day, I played with Nia. <laughs> yeah, I, so this is like, and I, I, this is a I wasn't Nia stretching. I wasn't. I wasn't drinking a water. I wasn't doing nothing. Now I have a certain amount of ounces I need. I got a certain amount of like meals I need at certain yes. times. Yes, it's crazy. Nia, call me. Welcome to be. I know. <laughs> crazy. I'm like, this is not just like a come to practice. No, I gotta make sure I'm getting my naps in, getting my recovery, my. It's an all-day I was her vet, by the way, guys, I know, so it's you. just crazy. Man. I know, I'm like, it's I'm a so whole new person. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And so what are your goals this season? Like, on the court, off the court, but what are the goals for Nia Coffee? Honestly, my, my goal for this season, and I know it might be a little subjective, like, I just want to do my role and be the best at my role. Whatever the team needs, whatever that means daily for whatever game, if I got to lock someone up, like, that is my part. Like, I don't want to be in my head where, like, I need to get this and this and this. I was like, no, what does the team need? I want to be the best at that. And because everything else will fall together, anything else, like, God's going to do his part. I'm going to do my part. And, yeah. Nia Kami, man, yeah. thank you for coming through. Oh like, gosh, this you. is crazy. I know. I'm so happy for you. Thank you get you. it. Like, you get yeah. it. So. It took me, it takes a while. It does, but that's why I asked because I just had Leah Brown in here. And I'm like, what things do you wish you knew two weeks ago? Yeah. She's like, I had no idea how physical the WNBA was. Mm. And you know, so it's like every player at every year is going to have these maturations. She just yeah. now is worrying about just the physicality. Right. Like, she'll get to the water, the ounces, oh, and everything yeah. later. But... I'm telling them they're not hearing it, but I'm like, look, <laughs> you wasn't hearing one day. it. I was telling yeah, <laughs> one day. Appreciate it, yeah. man. Thank you for so coming through. You, I'm so sure. happy. You know I'm being on the sidelines going crazy. Oh, let me wrap this up like a normal interview because this is the whole <laughs> Thank you for coming through. For sure, <laughs> Jordan, for sure. Thank you for having me. Dope. 
Shouts to Nia Coffee, man. Like I played with her overseas. I played with her in the WNBA and the way that she's changed and grown, heat culture, baby. Coming up next though, we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk more about it with the crew. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. the crew here with me right now and we rolling deep today all right like we want to get eyes on everybody danny we got juju we got roy that pulled up and as y'all can see it's a heat you know what i'm saying there's a heat vibe going on because the miami heat just advanced to the nba finals to play against the denver nuggets and it's crazy because the thing about the heat that everybody's now talking about because we've heard everything we can hear about the undrafted players shouts to all of them for getting themselves a bag that's the thing i love hearing the most like i know a bag is coming for caleb martin and all of them but we keep hearing about heat culture so i'm gonna start out first i want roy juju like how how would y'all describe what is heat culture because we keep on hearing this so folks might not actually know what is like how would you describe what that is it's the hardest working it, it, it's basically cocaine. That's all it is. It's cocaine <laughs> to the soul of the city of Miami. Oh, my God. So it's hardworking. That's what I took from that. No, it's hardworking. It's dedication. It, it is time to gym. It's tireless, like being annoying defensively. Like it, it's all that, all practice all the time. It's just the hardest working team in the entire league. And that's basically what they are. <laughs> so that's heat culture. And Juju, I want to hear you from you too, because this is what, like, I'm only saying this because the Heat team believes that this is what got them right here, Juju. Yeah, it's the culture. It's the, it's the thing that resonates from the end of the bench to the starters, from the concession popcorn man all the way to the <laughs> video camera man that ends Everybody. up being the head coach of the Miami Heat. You Facts. feel me? I think it's just... Um, uh, organizational unity that spreads throughout and belief in each other that, hey, if I can do it, you can do it. And not only you can do it, I'm going to tell you over and over you can do it until I see you do it. That is facts. <laughs> like, that is perfect. I can see that. I can feel that from the Heat fans. Definitely. And, and I've never been to the Miami Heat arena, but I can I can definitely see it being that way. Definitely. Because, like, basically, Miami prides themselves on being the ultimate pros. Like, that's what everything y'all are describing. That's what every coach would want their professional athlete to be or act like. They want you to believe in yourself, to work the hardest out of anybody out there, to pump energy into your teammates. We want, even with the Atlanta Dream, we want our arena rocking. Like you said, concession stand better be popping. If you greeting folks at the door, it's a whole, that's why they call it culture. They're not saying like heat philosophy, heat energy. They say it's a culture over there. That's like the ultimate level of professionalism and that's what like and honestly we got to start believing it because Eric Spolstra and them stood to it 10 toes down on it an eight seed be the number one seed a number two seed to get to the finals so 
that made me think about like, all right, so being a pro then what, like, what is being a pro? Because like, there's a pro, there's a profession like Roy, are you, I've considered Roy a very professional human, right? Like I mean, Roy, everybody on this call is a professional in their field. I don't know what I mean. I'm not a professional. Yes, you are, are a professional. Hold on. <laughs> in we gonna your have to, field. Let me give you some heat culture, Juju. Let me tell you about <laughs> you. Juju is not just a social media manager as everybody. I'm telling y'all stuff y'all don't, y'all already know, but he's not only that, he's a talent on camera. He comes up with very creative angles. This is called a professional social media manager. Yes, Juju, that's you. Roy, a professional sound engineer, but also a professional lead producer. All of that. Like these are professionals that we have here. So what makes like, what makes a professional? Like, you know what I mean? Like what? Because a lot of people really like profession is changing, I would say, but what makes a professional now? Because clearly it still works with the Miami Heat. You can be a professional where you can be an individual on the team. You're the sole person. And then you can be in a team on a team where there's other people who make up or you work with to get that success. And so I think in today's culture, one of the things I find out is that sometimes people who are on teams think of themselves still as individuals Mm. and they don't look at the other team. They think only about, and I say this a lot, about this culture, this uh, some of the younger generations, it's me, 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 yep. me, and yep. that usually <laughs> doesn't work. But I think one of the main things is to be on one mindset, and I think that's what you're talking about here, from the popcorn stand to, to the coach or whatever. Everybody has the same mindset. What was that on Joe? Like, one band, one sound. Yes, sir. <laughs> Let's yes. go. And another thing is uh, don't listen to the noise, and I'm talking more so about sports right now a lot of people you know you can get pumped up i try I, you know look i've put a lot of noise in renee's head yeah snook gonna get thrown out of the dream games now we got you know what i'm saying like snook is getting very close we're getting a lot of looks from the refs but you, you know you don't listen to the noise i'm talking even outside of the game you know people will tell you oh they did you wrong this that this that and no then you excuses get a chip on your shoulder and then that affects your game or whatever so you gotta you know be uh know what your value is know what you know you can do and what you can't do and then be a team player. That's one of the my main things is be a team okay, player. Okay, so that the book coming through with the She's team the player criteria. Cole, give me some heat culture, <laughs> but make it professional. You have to be willing to be past sometimes um, a deadline of if you're supposed to work from eight to five, it might be eight mm-hmm. to eight. You might have mm-hmm. to put in some Overtime. extra hours. Yes. Also, I think a lot of professional people have to uh, understand, and I think this is what burnt out certain generations and that the younger generation has figured out is that you have to have a balance. So a lot of professionals, yeah, they work hard, but they also need to have downtime, rest and things of that nature, mental health and wellness on top of being a professional. And that makes you more professional because then you clear your head, you come back to it and it doesn't seem like so such a heavy weight or a daunting weight and you are more successful. So I think it's, it's a couple of things that you have to figure out when you're professional is when to be professional and when not to be professional. Oh. When to set it off up in this, okay? (laughs) That's it, that's it. I love that. Babe, what you think? What you think? Give me heat culture, but make it professional. I think that what what it takes to be a pro, I think, first of all, you can't get around the 10,000 hours. I mean, I know that that's like an old school thing, but, you know, like, I feel like,
like the younger generation, they want instant gratification. They no. want they want oh, things yes. to happen right away. And then that's why we get burnt out because we overwork ourselves. And yes, you like to Cole's point, you do need rest, but then you also do need to work almost relentlessly for this goal and put in your hours and there is no shortcut. So I think that number one, there's no shortcut to success. And you have to you have to educate yourself. Like you can't just wake up one day and say, Hey, I'm gonna be a journalist or I'm gonna be a basketball player, I'm gonna do this or something like you have to educate yourself you, you have to train you have to go to college you have to whatever it is whatever process it is that for, for you to prepare yourself to become that you need that credential because if you don't Ooh. have that credibility you're not a professional i'm sorry i hope y'all starting to think about does this sound like the heat team i mean i'm just being for real because people are going to start to realize and i'm coming to you roy because people are going to realize sports in life are synonymous. Roy, what's up? Well, the official mantra of heat culture is this, that the hardest working, best conditioned, most professional, unselfish, toughest, meanest, nastiest team in the National Basketball Association. <laughs> That's according to <laughs> team president <laughs> Pat Rowley. Pat Rowley has instituted that as the mantra. Okay. And I mean, but think about that. Think about everything everybody's saying, like, that describes the Heat team. Juju, what you thinking? That is, it's a little more to that. Also, living la vida loca. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yes. <laughs> <laughs> living la vida loca. I, I'm not going to lie, though. That's actually a good point because, like, being a pro, like, Nia Coffey, y'all heard her talk about it. And she's like, I'm telling her, like, girl, it's fine. Like, some athletes literally never figure out to be a pro. That's how you see players, what they call a bust. It's not that that player wasn't good enough. It's that it takes a lot more each level you go up. So if they didn't put in that extra work, they start to sizzle out and not be who you thought they were but when you talk about that living la vida loca i'm not gonna lie like this week i'm pulling like june 9th i'm pulling up to minnesota they announced me as one of the minnesota Lynx 25 top 25 players and one of the things about thank you fam <laughs> and one of the things about that was like we had a lot of fun i'm not gonna lie like our minnesota Lynx teams in the locker room before we went out i'm talking about some it was like Magic City in there. Like we was, it was, <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not even kidding. Like we had money guns and we was turned out, like we turned ourselves up. We legit have fun. And then when we won a championship in 2015, we went and partied with Prince. And I'm not even surprised that happened because it was our vibe the whole time. He pulled up to our games. It was like, we were a vibe. <laughs> So, so what you're saying is you got to enjoy it. You, you got to enjoy the ride. Like even rest. If, because have fun. it's like this. Yeah. If you got to clock in anyway, how you clock in is up to you. Like you got to be there three hours. Are that's you going right. to be Sour Patch Kid for three hours? Or are you going to be like, all right, man, we ain't here for three hours. What are we doing? Like that's kind of how my whole mentality for life. It's like if I'm going to pull up, I'm going a, I'm to a show out or I'm going to have fun because I got to be here anyway. And so I think that Juju yes. really makes a good point that the teams that are like, honestly, I felt like Boston was that team. They were about their business. They were very mm -hmm. blue collar. Like they work hard. They, they're they all of those things. But sometimes you can almost squeeze too tight. You got to like, loosen up a little you gotta, bit. Like, yeah. You got to be loose enough to you got to be loose enough to want to make a mistake. Like you I've taken some game winners in my life. If I'm worried about missing it, I missed it. Like every time I yeah. take a game winner, I'm like, oh, snap. And, that, and that's a good point, too. You can't be afraid to fail. Like because uh, successful people have failed a million mm -hmm. times. Facts. But it doesn't stop them. I'm kind of afraid, though. The more we talk about this now that we have NIL 
I think that's gonna change everything. You think, I think so? I don't I know, do. man. I don't I know. do. And the reason why I say that is because the fruits of your labor usually didn't happen until mm. you became pro. Mm. And now these kids are getting the fruits of their labor before they even get out of high school. But I it see, can work I either see. way, because for it, me, no, it can work, no, it can work both yeah. ways, but the gravity of how many it may okay. affect is the problem I have. It's like you're always gonna have there was a couple of kids who were superstars before they even went to college, before they went to, they was in high school, but they weren't able to cash out on it. And it, it showed because it just carried through their professional. Like they had yeah. to work their way. Yeah, you almost working towards that check, like all my yes. life, been grinding all my life. Yes. It ain't, if you was rich exactly. all your life or lit all your life, you might not be grinding all your life. That's true. Exactly. So I'm just I'm just scared of the, the I hope multitude. Y'all don't lose y'all's edge now that y'all getting a coin because I want yeah. y'all to get y'all's coin. Stay but gritty. before we tap out of this, I Stay want hungry, because yeah. we got some heat fans in here so i know that they're you know i'm saying like y'all gonna i'm gonna get predictions before the 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 final start it's a very difficult thing to do and literally like people pay me to go on tv to say what i think is going to happen and i hope that everybody has seen from these playoffs that don't nobody know what's about to happen so i have no problem saying that as an nba analyst we're all making educated guesses yes. so before we get it popping into the finals emphasis on guests yeah like <laughs> snookabooka we coming to you i'm gonna come to you first snookabooka what what y'all think it's gonna look like denver and what or miami and what how many games i'm going with miami i've gone with them the whole series this is of, true uh, the playoffs. <laughs> this I've is been true behind miami the whole time <laughs> and uh i think it's gonna be miami and six so okay. six games so but anyway i just wanted to say too uh one of the things with pat Riley's team and possibly boston too i think that uh especially with miami though i think he's got his players educated enough to know what it is to be a player uh, pro player to get your life together and that you know you can't be going out doing all kinds of things and then not affect uh, not expected to ex- uh, to affect your game so you know get your life together when you're playing or whatever because although this is not on the court it's off the court it might enter the court if you are doing some crazy wise stuff. words yes wisdom you better get ready we can do all, we don't have to give me a breakdown but what y'all got what you got Cole I want to sweep I want Miami to walk them <laughs> off the floor in four games. I that's exactly what I want. I don't want no competition. I want Miami to come what? out there well, embarrass, the embarrass them. No. What about, what no. about us, no. Cole, the fans? Renee, I never wanted that for you, and I don't want that for them. I just <laughs> want Renee and them to go out there and fly out, beat everybody, the brakes off everybody, and let's go home. I don't yeah. like this. Let's go back and forth. Let's hold hands. Oh, have come on, man. I no. want a party. I want a show. No. Serena, what no. you got? What you got? I, I'm with Snow. Okay, so we're all going for heat. I mean, uh, for the wow. heat. Oh, okay, that's that's established. Yes, I, I, I'm going for the heat. But I'm with Snook. I got Miami in six because I, I want a little bit of a dog fight, but I don't want to go all the way to game seven because game sevens are too stressful. And so it will be <laughs> like, three, two, and then just finish it off. <laughs> well, let me break it up in between the Miami guys then. I, okay, so maybe I am a basketball analyst then because listen, I know that we are part of the Lebetard Show Network. <laughs> Dan, I see you laughing and I'm happy for you, my brother. But it's <laughs> like, I just, the Denver Nuggets have been the same Denver Nuggets team since the beginning of the season. They have not done anything to make me think any different. The only reason I think that everybody feels differently is because of what we just watched with Heat Culture and what they did to what we thought the Milwaukee Bucks 
I'm I'm comfortable saying everybody thought that it was either the Milwaukee Bucks or the Boston Celtics that should be in the NBA Finals. That yep. was the, a lot of people had that Boston, was the conversation sure. all year. So now my logic brain is saying it's Denver Nuggets in seven. But the heat culture of it all, I know what that dog is like. Like, I know what it's like to be standing beside a dog and I'm looking at them and we barking at each other. And it's like they don't know what we know. And so I Mm. feel like Miami is in their locker rooms barking like they don't know what we know. We had, you know, injuries this season. We had a slow start. We had players in and out of the lineup. So I'm giving y'all my full on. Denver and seven, but I feel like we don't know what Miami knows. What y'all got? Let me go with you, Juju. What you got? Denver and folk. Damn. Folk. <laughs> 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 so I'm like, what? All of our jaws dropped. I was shocked. Oh, my God. That was the best gotcha I've ever had. Because I was like... Uh, are you serious? I did that for comedic uh, purposes. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. Clip that. <laughs> I think Miami, uh, they'll find a way, bro. They'll find a way to get under their skin. And I think the injuries are going to be the part. I'm not mm. sure who's going to have one, but I think somewhere during this, se- this series, injuries going to play a factor. And hopefully it's not the Heat. So I'm going to go with Heat in five games. Okay, hey, okay. Okay. Roy, now I'm hearing something about Tyler Hero got cleared to kind of get a little active on the court. So I'm just throwing that out there for our listeners that may not know that things could happen. I don't know. But what you feeling, Roy? Because Roy, okay, first of all, Roy is living his best life. Shouts to the Panthers. <laughs> I want to make sure we shout out the Panthers. I'm saying the city is alive. Florida is alive. <laughs> the Panthers are in the finals. The Heat are in the finals. I mean, y'all feeling good. It really is living like being local. It's right a good boy. year for Florida. For yeah. 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 He, got that he got that thing home. <laughs> <laughs> Crispy press, honey. <laughs> yes, Roy. So what you feeling, Roy? What you thinking? Panthers and six. Oh, sorry. Wrong wrong score. Wrong score. Uh, <laughs> That's good to know, though. Yeah, I, I got the uh, I got the Heat in seven. Heat in seven. No, Panthers no, so you want game seven. No silence. Yeah. Yeah, what's wrong He's with like, y'all? Yeah, I want as many greatest. games as possible. Yes, like we are fans. Like we, I want to see what is Jimmy Butler going to do in game one through seven. I want to see it. I want to see if the Joker is going to be a triple double monster that shuts everything down. But I want seven games. So we're all across the board. So let's see which one of us is right. Right. Everybody chose something different. I want the Heat to set the stage and take game one. Okay. I like that. Snook said get out the gates, but I like that. Early MVP predictions. And side note, man, Caleb Martin, we see you. Okay. <laughs> we see you, Caleb. That was supposed to be yours. I know it. He lost out on the MVP by one vote. One vote. Man, so Jimmy- Reggie Miller. Reggie Miller was that one vote, even though he oh, said wow. that, that Martin deserved the MVP. He voted for Jimmy Butler. So that's the thing about individual awards. We were talking about being a pro. That's why it can't be about me because if Caleb Martin went missing after he didn't get that trophy in a sense of being a Sour Patch Kid, unacceptable. That's not professional. So early MVP picks for the finals. Let's start the reverse way this time. Roy, who you got? Early MVP picks. Duncan Robinson. 
No. Oh, oh no. 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 It's going to be Jimmy. It's going to be Jimmy. Yeah. It's going to be Jimmy. It might be a Jimmy sweep. Uh, Juju, what you got? I got Kayla Martin because, okay. I mean, without him, I don't see him, without him doing what he did last series, they can't do anything Fact. next year. True. True. It's going to be up True. to him and people like Michael Porter Jr. from the Nuggets, like the role players. Fact. I think Kayla Martin. I'm going with the undrafted as well. Yes, so, man. okay. So, who, oh, I like that. So, who you got, Snook? I'm going with the undrafted. One of the undrafted oh, players. Oh, she See, Snook loves to play the field. It'd be like, this is what happened when we told her to pick one show. She's going to pick a genre, black soap operas or something. It's like, so Snook's taking the field. Now she got a way higher percentage. But we'll, we'll give it to you. Oh, who you got for B.I.? Jimmy. I'm, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy. I got Jimmy, Jimmy. too. Yeah. Okay. So, Serena and Nicole got Jimmy buckets man it's just crazy because this is a very i mean this is a very heat call i'm thinking that joker i didn't know i would be an outlier <laughs> picking, I know, I'm like, oh wait the denver nuggets are in this too i'm picking forgot, the yeah. joker i think that his numbers are going to automatically if denver makes it in seven which is my prediction denver in seven i think that what will follow that is a nikolai Jokic getting his trophy because I will feel like if he doesn't do what he can do, they're not going to win. So that's well, he has a score in four quarter. Can we get some scoring in four quarter? Because that <laughs> seems to be the problem. So he can't, he can't go a whole fourth quarter like he did with everybody else and not score. That's just not going to work. So not, I mean, listen, it's not going to work. Then Jimmy Butler going to end up, or somebody else going to end up being the MVP. But we shall see. <laughs> what we were trying to tell y'all was. There's being a professional and then there's heat culture. So you need to take your heat culture and take it to wherever you do your work. It could be heat culture as a mom where you own your P's and Q's, baby. Got the snackies ready. That's not only what moms do, all right? Shouts to the moms, but I'm just saying. Or it could be in the office where I bring my heat culture every day to the office. I like to be a little overprepared. It's like kind of my toxic trait too, but heat culture, baby. The finals are coming up. We're excited. Tap in with us. We talk about professionalism and we got Sunny Hostin coming up next who, okay, a lawyer, a author, a host, a award winner. I mean, she's the ultimate professional. Talk about it, Sunny. Black excellence coming up next. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three-time Emmy Award-winning legal journalist, co-host of The View, and New York Times bestseller, firm, 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 but not just for one. This is the author of both The Summer of the Bluffs and Summer on Sag Harbor. Welcome, Sonny Hostin, to Montgomery <laughs> & Company. I love your energy. Thank you so much for having me. No, I love it because I love when I see people winning. I'm, you know, I'm an athlete at heart. Summer on Sag Harbor was a New York Times bestseller list. There's very few people that have accomplished what you have. I mean, you have an incredible career. How did you find out you made the bestseller list? I mean, I know you're not new to this, but were you surprised? <laughs> I was shocked. I mean, the first book, you know, 
It's interesting when I when I pitched the first book to a couple of publishing houses, the response was like, "Well, I don't know. Are black women really going to read a beach read? Uh, is it really something that there's a market for?" And I was like, "Yeah, there's a market for it. I read a lot of beach reads. Terry McMillan sold a lot of books, and uh, I only got one publishing house that that said." that they believed in my vision. That was HarperCollins and my particular wonderful editor, Carrie Farron. And within the first week, I think it sold over 20,000 copies. I know you lying. Most books sell about 5,000 copies during their entire life span, right? After that, I got a lot more interest. <laughs> we decided that it would be a, a trilogy. And uh, I wrote the second book, but I was scared because once you hit that that number, that New York Times bestseller, and not only do you sell 5,000 books or 10,000 books, you sell 20,000 books. And, and they kept on selling. I got writer's block because I didn't want to disappoint the readers. It took me two years to write this book. It was supposed to come out last summer. I didn't know what to do. So I, uh, I had a book tour, virtual book tour, and a lot of my readers said, I want to know more about Olivia. I want to know more about Olivia. What happened to Olivia? What happened to Olivia? And I said to my editor, that's that second book. I just started writing. Before I knew it, you know, I gave it to my editor. She was like, you got it again. And I was like, we're not going to say that. We're not oh, going to say Oh, she knew it was a hit, right? When she was like, we're not going to say anything like that. <laughs> the book came out May 2nd. And two days later, I got a, a an email from my editor, my publisher, my agent, and it said, New York Times instant bestseller. <laughs> I was like, are you sure? Are y'all making fun? I've never heard of like an instant one. Like I usually you wait a week and you get a list. So they was pre-ordering your book. Like they was, basically they got it. They was ready for it. They was waiting. They were waiting for it. And it just dropped. And then everybody just bought it. And what was really special to me, people then started buying the first book. Hmm. People that had missed out on the first book started writing the second book. So before I knew it, Summer on SAG was the first number one seller on Amazon, but Summer on the Bluffs was number two. Hold on, let's get into this because congratulations. You know what I'm saying? Congratulations. Well, they because said black women don't read. I don't know. I think we read a lot. I was just about to say, like, <laughs> people are reading books out here. Like, because, I mean, like, you would think, oh, we got company. Okay. So. That's Luna. She, she's she's a rescue. She's a little, she's a little off, but she's okay. <laughs> what up, Luna? For the listeners that don't see, Luna just pulled up on us. It's a cat. But I'm first of all, I didn't really know a lot of people read as like 20,000 in the opening is crazy. But you talked about writer's block. And I know that you and your family and you come and let me just do a little context. You grew up in the Bronx, had a Puerto Rican and African-American background. And then now you and your family have been vacationing for 20 years. And you're telling a, a black elite story, honestly, in the Hamptons and what's going on. So when you said you had writer's block, a lot of people are worried, like, are you writing stories about people around you, you know, like the best man and all that? So what is there inspiration? People want to know what's going on with Olivia. <laughs> Who is Olivia? <laughs> Olivia's my friend Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I can't even lie. I can't even lie. My first book was a memoir. So I was just writing about myself and my family and and some of my friends and some of my friends didn't like it. Anna Navarro wasn't happy and Don oh, Lemon no. was fine, but 
my former executive producer, Candy Carter, she didn't like it. And so I was like, I'm just going to write fiction because I'm just, my mother didn't like the book. So I was like, I'm just going to write fiction. I make, I make up the characters, but there's something about your lived experience that seeps into your writing. You just, you just can't help that, you know? I mean, so I summer with a group of people in uh, Oak Bluffs. And for the first book, I did have some of my friends say like, was that me? I said, you know, it was you. You the one that got drunk on the beach. Because <laughs> that was what I was going to say. Like, but I, okay. After they got over the shock that it was them, did they kind of like, like it, lean into it, start they to tell did. you what they wanted to. Okay. Cause I would have been like, listen, if you going to write about me, then let me help you out with Olivia is what I would have been like if I was your friend. They did. I mean, Kathy was like, I know that's me, isn't it? But we've been friends since we were 16. And, you know, what was wonderful is she was very, she received it very well because we, we're very, very close. But one of the issues I did want to confront was colorism mm. because we grew up 16 and 16. You know, my birthday's in October, her birthday's August, my birthday's in October. We're the same age. I tell her she's older than I am, but I, well, she is, but it's only by two months. Uh, and, I, you know, I remember growing up and we would go to parties and she's stunning. She looks like Naomi Campbell. I mean, this is a, she's a very, very stunning person. And she was like, you notice all the men only come up to you? I was like, no, that's not true. She said, no, it is true. It's because you're light skinned. Ooh. And that's the story of my life. And I was like, I reject that. I reject that premise. But I was rejecting her lived experience, you know, and, and, I, and I still regret that I received it in that way. And I thought, this is probably an issue going on all over our communities. We know it goes on in the white community uh, yeah. because the lighter you are, the more accepted you are. And it was hurtful to me that it, that it goes on in the black community. So I was like, well, you know what, if I'm going to be real and I'm going to write about real experiences and people, I'm going to attack and tackle the real issues, but I'm going to put it in a beach book so that you put in a nice, pretty wrapping is what you're digestible <laughs> in that way, you know, but the book is for us. It's about us. I'm just so happy that it started a lot of conversations about gentrification. It started a lot of conversations about infidelity. It's uh, summer on SAG has started a lot of conversations about seeking therapy and our mental health. Mm. It started conversations about what people lost during the pandemic. I mean, I set out to do that. You never know if, if it's going to be a conversation starter, but it was. And my friends appreciated it. Not all of them, but most of them appreciated it. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Sonny Hostin. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
you painted pictures in your book all through it because I want to read just the first excerpt from the first page. The day of reckoning had come, a polite but firm phone call from the estate attorney at Kravis Swain and Moore forced Olivia Jones to face the sins of her godfather. Now, you're painting like a complete picture here. So with a screen adaptation in mind, and we're going to get to this because you are collabing up, but how tight are you going to want it to be to the books and the films? Because we know that there's going to be more coming. I'm speak, We're speaking this, but we know it's going to happen. So are you going to try to keep it close because you wrote it? It's your baby. Well, that was very important to me, honestly, because I, I had spoken to a lot of writers who had their books adapted into film and they give up their story. You do get paid and then they give up their rights to the the creative part of it when it's something you created. I mean, that first book, I created it. That was like blood, sweat and tears. I was I was I write at night. I write from like 11 to 1 a.m. or 11 to 2 a.m. I get up and I do the view. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. It was hard to work and I loved it so much. So when people started asking me um, to make this into a, a television uh, series or a movie, I immediately said I could be interested, but only if I have co-executive producer credit. It has to say created by, and it has I have to have EP credit. I'm not giving this away to anybody. And the one person that said, I'll tie my deal to yours was Octavia Spencer. Come on with it. She was like, that is not a problem. This is This is you. This is your book. But then, of course, I said, and will you star in it? <laughs> What'd she say? <laughs> and she said, if that's what it takes, yeah, I'll star in it. And, what? And it was done. I was like, you're giving me credit. You're giving me my due. You're giving me my vision. And you're giving me your star power. Because she she was one of the first people that I gave the book to. And what was really special also is we found a writer a showrunner, you know, kind of like we didn't find Shonda Rhimes, but we found Elizabeth Hunter who wrote Jumping the Broom. For those of you who remember that, uh, Elizabeth has lived on the vineyard. She's of the vineyard. She's from the vineyard. She just gets it. And I just feel like it's such a blessing. It's it's the dream team. You got a super team. So I'm going to talk to you in sports terms, okay? Because I'm an athlete. Yes. You got yourself a super team over there with what y'all are doing. And it, it really isn't in, like incredible. You have a deal with Octavia Spencer coming out. So once it starts to happen like this, is it like now that's the goal? Like you're, you plan on writing books that become films and how much time do you have left? Like, I know you told me your schedule a little bit, but baby, how? Well, I, I've always been a writer. You know, I was a journalism major. And I, I this is something that I always wanted to do. I fell into television. It, it wasn't a plan. So what, what's great is I'm, I'm already 150 pages into the, the next book, Highland Beach. I'm going there this weekend, actually, just to meet with some elders. Uh, Highland Beach is where Frederick Douglass used to summer. That's the other thing that's very important to me. People need to understand that we have had black excellence forever. We had it in Africa and we had it here, too. And so I, I want to wrap that black excellence in these beautiful bows of beech trees, but also teach people about our history because there's a paper genocide going on right now. People are trying to erase, they're erasing us. And so I'm not going to allow that. I'm also writing a fantasy book because that's actually my favorite genre, believe it or not. And fantasy uh, meaning like what category is that? I like things like the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. I love, uh, 
Star Wars. I, you know, I, I like, uh, I like fantasy. My, but my fantasy book starts in Africa. Um, because there aren't enough black fantasy writers. There are, there are some, but I think I have something that's, uh, pretty special that I'm, that I'm working on and I'm just going to keep on doing it. My real goal though, is I have a production company now Let's and go. I have the benefit of being on the view, right? That's a huge privilege. I have got 3 million viewers every day. They, they listen to my point of view. Thankfully they, they appreciate you know, what I have to say, but I want to give voices to others. Everybody has a story. So my goal is to have my own book imprint where I can highlight other authors of color, other women of color, and maybe make their books into films. That's, that's really, that's really my goal. And I'm, I'm working towards it. I've got, I've got my little moniker, trademarked and uh you'll be seeing a little bit of that I, i've taken some meetings and um you about to take off i see i feel like you're slow rolling it so yes you about to take all the way off sunny we i can see i see you is what i'm saying and honestly to to that point you need to come to a dream game this season so i would love it pull up on us in atlanta and then also think tank productions um i have a production company as well and we have kind of the same yes thought process so let's team up on that but but you mentioned The View, and you said that this is your seventh year on The View. Congratulations. Like, Thank what in the you. world? Three million viewers. It's an iconic show. My wife watches it all the time. Yes. But yes. you mentioned something. I'm an athlete, and we know that athletes and entertainers, we kind of live in the same world because yeah. it's not easy to prep for a daily show the same way I'm sure it's not easy to learn how to become a pro. They both take a tremendous amount of discipline. So what does that kind of discipline look like in your daily life? Like, because for you to be doing everything that you just <laughs> said out loud, how, like, I want to know, like, what does that prep look like? You know, it probably looks pretty ugly to people looking <laughs> in, just like when you're, just, just like when you're practicing, right? Just like when you're trying to make sure that, uh, you, you're not missing at the line, right? Um, it's, it's, it's repetition, it's drive, it's grit, it's never giving up. I mean, I, I don't sleep much. <laughs> I figured sleep is overrated. So, wow. so how many hours a night you think like you function well off of? I can function. Okay. On five, four, okay. four, to, four to five. I'm pretty, I'm fine. You know, eight, I don't, I don't really ever get to sleep eight. So I don't know really what that feels like, but wow. I sleep around four to five. The most I ever sleep is seven. And, uh, I, I start grinding the minute I wake up. I mean, I, wake up. I meditate a little bit. What time are you waking up then to get all this in before work? Dude? About five. Honey! <laughs> and I, you know, I do my quick workout. I do my, my sit-ups and my push-ups and, and I meditate a little bit. And I, I have uh, big dogs. I, I walk my dogs. I have two Newfoundlands, so they weigh about 150 pounds. So I walk my wow. dogs, what? chickens, I feed my chickens. And then I, and then I start reading. I, I read in, I read in on, you know, what did I miss at night? And I read actual hardcover newspapers. Sounds weird, but I, I, I just, I like the way it feels better. <laughs> I can trust the source. You read stuff on the internet. You can't really trust that. If I'm reading the New York times or the Washington post, I can, I can source that. Um, cause people have their standards that they have to meet. So I read in 
take a shower and I get into the car and I continue reading. Are you reading in the car? Yeah. Well, I have a driver. Oh, okay. That's, you know, that's champagne life. Okay. Listen, hey, you earned it. So we're going to talk about it. Black excellence. I didn't always have a car, by the way. The, the, the car is new. I have, a, I got a driver just this year. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, that wasn't in my contract before, but it is in my contract now. And uh, I had to negotiate that because everybody else had a car, but I didn't have a car. And I keep on reading because our producers the night before send us about 60 hot topics that we have to read. And that's in addition to whatever books somebody is going to talk to us on the show about. I have to watch films. I have to watch television shows. And then I have to read the hot topics. And then, you know, in the morning we send, we get another round of hot topics at seven. I usually leave my house at a little before seven and our hot topics meeting is at eight 30 and I go to one because we have after show meetings and then I start, you know, sometimes I get to go to my daughter's track me. She's an amazing athlete. Sometimes I get to go see a movie premiere. Sometimes I have to read in again, starting the next day. And, uh, and then I write and, and I cook Cause you know, we don't really eat much out and the day starts again. <laughs> I'm glad you really detailed it out because like I talked about being an athlete there, that's how days look. They're stacked and you, you thrive in it because you know, you got to do it. Like, I don't know how to explain to people when you know, you need to do something, you have something to do. You just do it. And I feel like entertainers understand that. And I said, I know you're all these things, author, lawyer, but you're on a show every day with 3 million people watching the show must go on. Like that's what you learn when you're an athlete. And so man, I just congrats on everything you're doing. And one last question I wanted to ask you is like, what kind of impact do you hope stories like summer on SAG Harbor will have? I think that there's a real place for stories that people write about our trauma. And I think it's necessary because we've been through so much as a community um, and like I said before, our history is being erased. So I think we do need to write uh, books like uh, Cast. I think we need to write books um, uh, about the Middle Passage. I think we need to write books about the criminal justice system. I think we need to write books about slavery and what was what was really done. I think we need to write books about the fact that white women owned slaves at sometimes even a higher rate than white men. Um, there's a great book. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's called, and, and she owned property too, or something like that. And, uh, I think it's important, but I also think it's important that out of the trauma and the tragedy came real excellence and resilience and joy and beauty. And I wanted to write to that. And so what I hope people come away with is we have been excellent from the very beginning. Everything comes from us. The most exported culture of the United States is the black culture, right? People don't talk about that a lot. Makes this country a lot of money. You know, the most revered athletes like yourself come from, they're black women, come from this country. Um, and so, I, I, you know, we've owned homes in Martha's Vineyard since the late 1800s. Frederick Douglass had a summer home in Highland Beach and his descendants still have that generational wealth. I think it's important that we know about it, 
We teach our kids about it and we teach them that they're their kings and their queens and they have everything to be proud of. And that's what I hope people get from it. Wow. I mean, that's beautiful. So if you guys, I mean, like, because I love black excellence, like my parents went to an HBCU. I feel like I was raised in black. I'm an HBCU baby. So I grew up young knowing like, this is excellent. We are excellent. But with what's going on, even with books getting banned, write more. Like, I love that you're saying like, let's just write more and see what happens. Let's just make sure that it's told, not even our way, the right way. That it's, it's our stories. It's our, it's our history. Tell it the right way. So please, 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 you guys, don't forget to pick up not one, but two, Summer on the Bluff, Summer on Sag Harbor, out everywhere now, and make sure you catch Sunny. Y'all know where Sunny at every day on The View, so I don't even got to tell y'all that, but thank you so much for joining me on Montgomery and Company, and I'm going to see you in the A. Pull up to a game. Thank you. Good luck on your season. You know that. Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> Being a pro, man. So that's what today, like, I really start to realize that when you hear Sunny talk about her day, wake up at five to meditate, work out, read, read, and read some more. Being a pro is just all about discipline. You heard Nia Coffee. She said she just now figured out how to be a pro. And I'm like, girl, that's okay, because some people never figure out how to discipline themselves. And in sports, we have a saying that says, discipline yourself so others don't have to. And that's exactly what people are doing when they're an athlete. And that's exactly what Sonny is doing as an entertainer. So, you know, being a pro ain't easy, but the rewards are nice. And honestly, it can create generational awards, rewards, because it's a generational thing around here. I'll see y'all next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.